0: What up, all you beautiful Misfits and Rejects out there? Thank you for joining me for episode 181 of Misfits and Rejects. In today's episode, I spoke with Tucker Patton from Triple Point Expeditions. This guy is doing some really cool stuff, and I'm excited for you to hear this story because he got out of college... And he just started chasing his dreams. He started traveling the world, skiing in Alaska, skiing in New Zealand, surfing in Fiji. And he did that for 10 years on this cool rotation. Three months in New Zealand, three months in Fiji, three months in Alaska. Um, just following his dreams, doing what he loved. Getting to hear his story, I could really relate to my experience in Nicaragua, doing what I loved every single day. And this is what it's all about, folks trying to find a way to do what you love every single day. And what's cool about Tucker is that he figured out a way to monetize His lifestyle, his dreams, in a way that's become a very viable business for him, in a way that allows him to continue to do what he loves, which is heli skiing in Alaska while making good money doing it, supporting his family, his wife, his son, his new baby on the way. Like all the stories I hear on Misfits and Rejects from all these beautiful Misfits and Rejects out there, I just get so motivated, so inspired, so excited about opportunities that are out there right in front of us. As long as you're willing to do the work, be creative. Stay focused and persevere. You can really design any kind of lifestyle you want for yourself in any sector. So I'm excited for you to hear this story. Tucker's a rad dude. Again, doing really cool stuff all around the world, focusing primarily now on heli skiing in Alaska with this outfit, Triple Point Expeditions. Highly recommend you check him out. If you're a first-time listener, please hit that subscribe button on your phone. Tucker and I would love it if you rated this episode. Obviously, five stars is always appreciated, not expected, leave a comment, share it with a friend. All is super helpful for us in the iTunes ratings and the algorithms that push my podcast to the top of the rankings. Thank you so much for joining us today. I think you all are so very beautiful and please sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode with Tucker Patton. Welcome to Misfits and Rejects, a podcast about the lifestyle design of expatriates, travelers, entrepreneurs, and adventurers. I'm your host, Chapin Kruder. Enjoy. I didn't get in
1: America. With cocaine, there's just always too many guns and too many bad attitudes.
0: I quit the limiting stories. Really try to overcome
1: that fear. And right there, for any of your listeners, a lot of what I was to do in the rest of my life was formulated by the fact I just went and did it.
0: Welcome to another episode of Misfits and Rejects. Today I'm joined by Tucker Patton from Triple Point Expeditions. Tucker, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure, dude. I've been hearing a lot about your expeditions for a while now through a few of the guests that you've had. Desperately thinking about coming on one and one to get you on to hear more about it, dude. Um, You've designed a very interesting, cool life for yourself, my friend. I mean, you do heli skiing in Alaska, and you have a whole gamut of other skills that I'm assuming you could apply kind of the same model to where you kind of do an all-inclusive trip for people to, like, say, Fiji or something like that. Can you kind of take me and the audience through like how triple point expeditions came to be?
1: Uh yeah, I mean it's do you want the long version or the short version? Let's let's go <laughs> long. Let's go long. And maybe give me a, give me a few um, pauses to
0: interject my thoughts and feelings along the way. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, I guess it's I grew up with a family that traveled and we spent our time going around the world and visiting a lot of places. So I always had that travel bug early on. And then I uh I got into surfing and competitive surfing for a long time and then a number of years. And then I got a little burnout on that. And after college, I moved to a mountain town and just uh, showed up there and was kind of introduced to a lifestyle and uh, a way of, I don't want to say a way of living, but like just a lifestyle of people doing things in a little bit different way and kind of figuring out their niches in the world. And um, I kind of started this explore that path a little bit. And it's just really evolved from there, to be honest. Like I saw uh, uh, this, this kind of world that existed. And then I just was like, man, this is really cool. I never even knew that I could do anything in regards to this. And I just started pursuing it with everything that I had for the last, uh, almost 20 years now, but.
0: That's rad, dude. How, how old are you? I'm
1: 38. And so I get, I guess going back to what you were saying about the business, like I wrote a business plan in college um, on doing remote adventure travel and and lodges and things like that, but I really didn't have any experience in terms of working in that industry. So after I graduated from college, um, I was like, man, I want to go try this, but I don't really know how. And then after moving to Tahoe, I was like, I started to see little opportunities and then eventually I got a job at a heli-ski operation and that kind of kick-started the whole process. But the the entrepreneurial process and business, I, I mean, in all honesty, it started when I was 18, so 20 years ago when I was thinking about it as a freshman in college.
0: <laughs> so when you went into school, were you always thinking about becoming an entrepreneur and doing your own thing as a businessman or was that something you stumbled into?
1: No, I, I honestly, I didn't have any idea when I went to went to college what I wanted to study. But um, I got I had this advice from one guy that I had an internship with my freshman year. He was like, "You should study things that you don't know anything about." So I was like, "All right, I'll do engineering." <laughs> I went into engineering and it was awful, and I was terrible, and I, I'm I'm not a math guy, so it completely crushed me. And I switched majors over to business, and then I fell into the entrepreneur department. And they were like, what are you excited about? Like, what are you stoked on? And I was like, well, I love fishing and I love surfing and I love skiing. And they're like, all right, explore that. Can you, you know, write a paper on that? So I started with a paper on that. And then I met this one professor and he was a fly fisherman. And he started pushing me in terms of like the lodge direction and adventure travel. And essentially I moved into this, you know, entrepreneurship school where they were teaching you everything across business from, marketing to accounting to finance and all these things that I really didn't wasn't passionate about those things but once I applied something that I really loved to do which was skiing and serving and fishing then I really got soaked on it and I was like man I can learn about that and I can do all of that and I, I didn't really realize at the time that it was gonna affect me so much later down the road but and I didn't use a lot of those skills for a solid ten years because um, I need I was pursuing other skills but once I started my own business, uh, all of those things came back, <laughs> um, and they all came back to the point where I really needed them, and I've had to fall back on them and rely on them over the years of starting my own business and doing all that. That's interesting. Where did you go to school? I went to USC, University of Southern California.
0: Yeah. I, was, uh, I came back from Nicaragua for a wedding, and there was I bumped into a girl at the wedding who said she was at USC studying entrepreneurship. And I just, to this day, that floored me. I didn't know that that was something you could study and learn. And it's interesting hearing you talk about it because you actually did fall back on your degree and used it, as you said, 10 years later, which I think for a lot of people who go to school, don't really ever use their degree. And um,
1: well, it was really cool. Like they, they let you do what they let you explore these different paths. Like I was in the business school and I was taking finance classes and I was like, I don't love this and I don't love accounting but this entrepreneurial side where they're like hey take an idea and, and run with it and if you find something like they they encouraged passion and they encouraged exploration and all these other things like that and i was like ah, no one's ever talked to me in this way in terms of going out and pursuing a career they've always been like here's this box and you need to go fit into it and the entrepreneurship school was like go and figure it out like don't look for a job like create your own go go out there and explore and, and figure something whatever you want it to be. And I'd never been, I'd never been schooled in that manner at all. Yeah. I don't it's think really many cool.
0: people have been or, and can say that they've had that experience where they're that inspired. It sounds like, so you did that, you know, kind of 10 year buffer between you um, getting out of school and then starting your business. And it sounded like if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but when you did move to, was it Lake Tahoe? that you started seeing people around you, which kind of ignited that idea again. Was there one person that you could cite that was the person that you're like, fuck, I want to be like
1: that guy, you know, or that one? (laughs) So there was a couple guys. Uh, I would say there was a precursor to that. There was guys that I looked up to that I knew growing up that I played lacrosse with, that I had been interviewing with straight out of college. And they were like, Tucker, what do you really want to do? And I was like, "I I want to go, I want to go explore the world surfing and skiing and fishing and figure out a way to get paid for it and fly in helicopters and do all this. They're like, dude, you should go do that because you that this job in San Francisco or whatever it is you're looking for, will always be there. And now's your time to go and try and you might as well go. Um, so there was a couple guys that said, the, said that to me straight out of college. Um, and they were a bit older, more like mentor types. And they're still buddies to this day. And then when I showed up at Squaw, there was this crew of skiers that were amazing. And I, honestly, I wasn't really a skier; and I was a surfer all the way up until the point I moved to Tahoe. Um, and I, there was there was guy like you show up at Squaw, and I'm not sure if you've ever skied there, but it's just really compact mountain with chairlifts to go to the top of everything that you'd want to ski, and it's super competitive. And at the time there was guys like Shane McConkey and whatnot, just essentially teeing off on everything and, and skiing in ways that I wasn't really aware of at the time being a surfer. I was like, Oh my God, what are these, what's going on here? Everyone's hitting the fingers and the palisades. And, um, I started to, I didn't know how to ski. So I started following guys around and they turned out to be, most of them turned out to be helicopter ski guys in Alaska, and they, they pushed me to come up to Alaska originally. But um, if I look back at, like, a defining moment, there was, there's this one line at Squaw called Tram Face. Uh, technically, it's out of bounds, and and you're not supposed to ski it, but I guess I can talk about it because it's, uh, I mean, it's, this would have been in, like, 2003, I think, no, 2004. And so we, you hike it in the morning in the dark. And I met these guys actually at the Chamois, which is a local, local bar. And they were like, we're going to go ski this tomorrow. I was like, cool, I'm down. And they're like, who's this guy? And I was like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm Tucker. I want to, I want to come with you guys. And they're like, all right, dude, we'll if you show up at, you know, five in the morning before dark, we're going to start hiking. And um, if you can, you know, stay with us and not get left behind, you know, we're going to, we're going to go ski this thing. And I was like, all right, cool. So I went and rented skis. <laughs> and I borrowed some friends' boots that had trails and snowshoes and stuff and so I was walking up behind these guys in the morning to go ski tramp base, which is again like right at the head of Squaw Valley and this beautiful ski line and it's big terrain and super cool. Um and so I charged up in, got to the top I had my shoes on and my trails and I threw my rental skis on and as this this one guy in particular was dropping in. I was watching him ski as the sun's coming up and the and the you know, the the workers valley are coming in to go to work for the day and people are showing up to go to the ski hill and it's pretty surreal setting you know watching the rising sun over this amazing ski line and this guy dropped in and he just completely sh- shredded the line in a, in a good way and he's one of the smoothest skiers the best skiers i've ever skied with been a long time mentor and i was like i don't know who this guy is i'd literally just met him the night before i was like i don't know who he is um or what he does, but I want to do that. And he he turned out to be a heli ski guide, and essentially I followed him and a, and a lot of other buddies around Squaw to learn how to ski, and then eventually move that into heli skiing.
0: That's funny, dude. I mean, you well, one, why did you choose skiing when you came out of the surfing background? Why not boarding?
1: That was the same reason that I was I was I was I had surfed forever, and I just got a little bit burned out on it um and i don't know what that is like i've always pursued these places that that take you away from things and get you i love being in nature i love being a... i really love the feeling of being insignificant and surfing always did that for me like i grew up in the, in northern california and um you know you could get away from people surfing and after going to sc you're in this really urban environment and you're you know, you're going down to the beach and you're feeding a meter and there's a ton of people in the water. And it just wasn't the experience that I wanted growing up with into what I really dreamed of doing. Um, I, yeah, so I, when, I moved, when I moved, I needed a change and I wanted to try something different and I wanted to challenge. I, I like to challenge myself and I, I love being a canter at something. And so I was a pretty good snowboarder. But then when I started getting, when I got to Squaw, I was like, man, I want to, you know, I know how to snowboard. I'm try skiing. And it was a really good move at the time because, I mean, it's arguable, but snowboarders are, are really good um, ski guides as well. Um, but I think I like being on skis, skiding, because it's just, it just allows you to, to, you know, purely from a transportation perspective, it's easier to get around and go side hill and do that sort of stuff. If you need to move through terrain on skis and I snowboarders would argue with that to a certain degree, but there's definitely a lot of circumstances now where I like having skis. And now, honestly, now I'm like, man, I really want to get back into snowboarding because I've done it in so long. Um, so that's just me. I, I got to constantly be evolving and I got to be constantly challenging myself. And when I get bored at something, I'm not good at it. And I just don't enjoy it. And I got to change. So, I mean, that's, that's been part of my career path too. It's like, that's how I picked up kite surfing because I was surfing, but in the afternoon it gets windy. So you might as well start kiting and I loved learning to kite and things like that. Same thing with skiing.
0: That is so interesting. It leads me to my next question with the, the meeting, those dudes in the bar and then getting rental skis. Like that just sounds like you were not exactly prepared for that type of terrain. Um, am I wrong about
1: that? I was, just- I was, I was I was definitely not prepared for that type of trend. I mean, I, so I moved to Squaw and I didn't know how to ski. So you, if you worked for the mountain, you got free rentals. And so I was like, all right, I can get free rentals if I work for the mountain. And if I work for the ski team, then I can just at least follow around some good teachers and learn how to ski as I'm teaching. So I essentially, was like following these instructors around, regurgitating what they were saying, and teaching myself as I went while I was teaching skiing. And I have to go in on. You know, we we taught on Tuesdays and Thursdays in the afternoon and Saturdays and Sundays. So I would just go in before I was working and I would rent skis um, because I couldn't afford to buy them. I bought a pair of skis by the end of the season, but I was just renting skis to go to work all season.
0: (laughs) I love this, dude. I love how you piece this together and just kind of threw caution to the wind in a lot of these scenarios. It sounds like when it came to making that decision to really go off on your own and, and start this business venture on your own, I mean you had the business plan from college. It sounds like, and you had a bit of skills from, um, learning, learning this, you know, entrepreneurial subject in college. What did, I mean, when you started, how did you have the capital? Like what was the first step?
1: Okay. Uh, no, that's a good question. Like you said, it's definitely been, it was, it's been piecemealed together up to a certain point, And then all of a sudden it, it definitely ramped up a few years ago. Um, those those skills i i definitely didn't use them for a while and as i was the business school school skills but when i got out like i said i, I wanted to go and get some other life experience and some i really wanted to, I, at the end of the day i really wanted to start at the bottom so after that first season in tahoe like i moved to new zealand and i washed dishes at a ski resort in new zealand that was the first place that i flew in a helicopter um you know, I worked on a sheep station, you know, I, I we, we were tailing sheep and cutting the antlers off of deer. Like it was one of those ones where it was like, you travel and you see this world and then you experience something you're like, Oh my God, I can't believe this existed. What else can I do? Um, and so my dad had that saying, like, you got to knock on the door and then you got to open it to see what's behind it. And it might not be the right path, but once you kind of step into it, you never know what the next door is going to be. And so, I literally did that for like 10 years. Up and I start. I actually founded the business in 2011 in an effort to, um, kind of capture what I was doing. And originally, like I said, the business plan was more like lodge based, but that wasn't originally how the business started. I didn't have the capital for that. I didn't have the client base, I didn't ha- I still didn't feel like I had the experience in 2011. But I was like, I got to start something. And I, I need to figure out a way to add value in this process. And I need to figure out a way to to able to market something. And I also need to make this product in some way bigger than me so that it's not just like go ski with Tucker, that it's like, here's this business that exists that puts together rad experiences. And how do we move through that when it's when it's bigger than just me I didn't I never I've never wanted it to be just me and so that that was kind of my intention in 2011 I guess I didn't really know what I how it was going to materialize but I knew I was like let me just step through these steps. like what's what what do I have to lose in terms of like I can make a website I can you know file for my LLC, I can start to market myself, I can start sending emails out. I can I'm doing all these trips right now. Essentially that was where I was. I was doing all these trips and I was working in Fiji. I was working in Alaska. I was guiding surfing, fishing, skiing, kite surfing. And I had this awesome rotation of Alaska in the spring. And then I would come home for a little bit and then I would go to Fiji for like a month and a half. And then I would go to New Zealand for two months. I'll come back to Fiji for a little bit. And then I would be like right back in the winter and I would go straight into ski guiding again. And then all the other time I was guided fishing. So I had all these products and things that I could essentially sell, but I didn't have a way to capture all of that. So that was where in 2011, I was like, I need, a, I need a vehicle to capture all of this as I go forward. I don't know where I'm going to go with all of it, but I want to capture it in some capacity.
0: And so that's when you came up with uh, triple point expeditions.
1: Yeah. The, so the, Yes, I mean when I when I break it down even more, triple point is where water coexists, uh, where anything exists in all of its phases, and so where water coexists as a liquid, solid, gas is the triple point. And um, essentially, everything that I do has been based around weather and water and oceans and snow and surfing and whatnot. So I just I didn't really have a name; I couldn't come up with anything, and um, I went with that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I can relate in a sense with because I've been doing surf guiding for years on Nicaragua, and like at one point we had real estate, and we were running you know tours out of our our house on the beach. I mean, with with the amount of traveling you were doing and the opportunities that you had, I could see like and correct me if I'm wrong, the model developing where it's like, fuck, if I just put a price tag on this thing that covers all of my costs and then their cost, and then you know puts a nice little. Uh, buffer on top for me to put in my pocket at the end of the trip, you know, it's like I looked at your website You, you charge like 13 grand roughly per person all-inclusive Um is that where your head started going where it's like instead of buying the real estate and trying to run, you know People out of your your heli lodge. You just started outsourcing everything
1: um No, uh, no, no, because now we run everything. We don't, we don't necessarily own everything because helicopters, for example, are super expensive Mm -hmm. and they've got to be working year round to make, to make the money back on that helicopter. It needs to be fighting fires and it needs to be, you know, doing other tourism in the summertime, which we're not operating. Like we have a two month window to operate. So right now, um, I mean, I think there's value in owning that stuff at some point, who knows? I'm not sure. But right now, um, I guess, like I said, originally it was it was just me, and I was working in Fiji, and I was working in these places, and clients would be like, "How can I go there? And can I come with you? And can you guide and whatnot?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure, but you're not you're not making a living in that capacity if people are just visiting. So if you start if you start booking the guests and you start adding value to their trips, I mean." Originally, we explored being a travel agency. Like, we were booking flights and we were booking, you know, all this stuff, hotels to put together the trip. Originally, they weren't my trips, they were other people's trips that they would incentivize you to bring clients on. And then eventually, that worked its way into like putting together some custom trips. And you asked the question about how we financed the business originally. We started, um, I mean, so over that 10 year period, I I pretty much, you know, it was was the, I saved every penny that I ever made and that it was super, um, I I don't know, thrifty is not really the right word, but I just didn't spend any money and I was was living this. Yeah. I bootstrapped the whole thing and I was traveling constantly. So I was never home. And that was 10 years of that where I was, you know, working in all these different capacities and all these different jobs, well, gaining. I was like, honestly, I was gaining experience. And looking back at it now, like I saw all these different systems, and I was looking at how the Kiwis did their heli skiing, and I was looking how they heli skied in Alaska, and I was looking at how they did skiing in Japan and Antarctica and South America and and whatever it is. And um, we ended up doing a bunch of uh, like corporate offsites for a bunch of different companies, and those, those were good. We, we would probably do like 10 of those a year for a number of years. Um, and we were really good at them. I mean, we would bring in private chefs and we would do these awesome experiences, whether it was river rafting or kite surfing camps or ski camps or mountain bike camps. And we did them for a bunch of really cool companies. And they was like small, high-end custom boutique trips. Um, and they were also profitable, so I was able to save my save money from those for a long time, and then that eventually gave me enough capital to put a down payment on a helicopter for the season.
0: Okay, interesting. So yeah, that's what I'm kind of getting at. So you through those years just acquired enough of those skills to where you could go, you know, and rent a helicopter and not need a guide because essentially you're that guide now. You're the person with the experience with all the certifications that you don't need to add somebody else to the, the tour.
1: Yeah, no. So eventually, like, you know, it got to, it had taken a long time to get there. Like, I didn't feel comfortable up to a certain point stepping out. One, it's a huge financial risk to put that money up in terms of, you know, insurance, helicopter, lodge, staff, like go down the list. But I, I yeah, I, I was comfortable in the guiding capacity after a certain point because I'd been doing it for so long. Um, you know, even writing an operations plan or a safety manual, all those things just take a ton of time to get to the point where you feel that you can do it. Um, and I was honestly at the point in my career guiding where I was like, man, I have dreamed of this for so long and i I'm here and I had just gotten married actually and my wife was pregnant and I was like, I gotta try, like, let's go and let's go and do this. Like 2000, the transition from 2011 to like 2017 was a big transition. And there's been a lot of those transitions over the years, whether it's like a transition from college to going out and exploring a, a transition from getting punished in the mountains a couple times to being like, I don't necessarily want to pursue this part of the mountains. I want to pursue the guiding side and the safety side to then like, I want to, you know, guide full time to now I want to be running safety and logistics for these big events and film crews to like, Let's get to the point where I want to jump out and and try to do my own thing.
0: That's really interesting, man. And you haven't gotten burned I mean, you don't get burned out ever? I mean, it just sounds like your life is is full of excitement, but it's a lot of I know it's a lot of work just from my own experience being a, you know, a tour operator in Nicaragua like now that you have a family and you're what you're in Idaho right now, where I'm assuming that that's kind of your permanent residence and you you shoot off to do these heli trips, you know, a handful of times a year do you ever feel like you want to pivot and do something completely different or is this your life forever?
1: No, this is definitely my life. Like I love what I do. I'm super passionate about it. Um, there's definitely, I mean, I, it, there's constant pivots cause you're always doing something. Um, but I think back to your question before it was like, you're doing all these things, but, and I was like, at a certain point I was chasing too many tennis balls. And this was a really hard thing for me to do. I was chasing tennis balls and I was traveling all over the world. I was gone all the time. And I was like, this is not sustainable. I can't do this forever. Um, I love what I'm doing in that capacity, but I'm also, I'm not making any money. I'm only traveling. Like I'm working my ass off, like to put this business together, but, and I'm adding value. And the clients were telling me like, Tucker, you need to just go do your own thing. You need to go do your own thing. You need to go do your own thing. If you go, we'll follow you. If you go, we'll follow you. And so eventually I was like, man, what do I, like, what do I really, really, really want to do? And I was like, I want to start a heli-ski operation in Alaska that's different and unique. And I want to try something that's, that's, that no one else is doing. And um, it got to the point, like I said, I was chasing all those tennis balls and I was like, I'm going to focus on one thing and I'm just going to do one thing. And that's going to be Alaska helicopter skiing. And so to what you just said, like I definitely reeled it back and I was like, I'm just going to do Alaska and I'm just going to do helicopter skiing for a couple of years and we'll see where that goes. I've still in that time frame done a lot of other custom trips and put those together. Cause I have a capacity to do that, mm-hmm. but our, our focus has now become Alaska helicopter skiing. And so do I get burned out on that? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Like Alaska heli skiing has always been the pinnacle. That's why I focused on it. It's one of those things when I first, you know, skied in Alaska 15 years ago. I was like, I'm gonna come back to AK every spring. This is freaking awesome. This this is what you know. You'd go back to that feeling of insignificance and that remoteness, but also like the challenge of the skiing and the scale of the mountains. Like, yeah, the the everything's changed now that I'm a business owner and I'm dealing with all these other things. But I but. I think the transition has now become, I love that side of it. I love the, I love the skiing in Alaska and I continue to guide and I love that, but I also love running the business. I love the challenges of that. And that's kind of been that next I guess, pivot to a certain degree where it's like, I've taken all these guiding skills and I've taken all these skills that I had learned in college that have, that had kind of been in there through the years. And now I'm applying all of that. And then this has become the next challenge that I'm, I love doing it. I mean, it's, there's so many things like I've always felt like I need to embrace being uncomfortable. And there's so many things in this capacity that I'm not comfortable with. Like I'm not comfortable going out there and talking about it and I'm not comfortable doing this and doing that. Like, but I have to, now that I'm the business owner, like I have to, and I love that challenge. And I, I kind of revert back to that. Like, you know, am I uncomfortable in this situation? Why am I uncomfortable? Like, how do I push forward with this? And how do I, how do I figure out this problem? You know, the website doesn't make itself. The clients don't book themselves. The season doesn't put itself together. Like that's all of that takes time and effort and it's super, I love it. I mean, it's really hard. I'm not going to lie. It's super hard and it's super challenging, but I love every minute of it.
0: What makes your outfit different and unique? As you said, like what makes you special and separates you from the rest?
1: Um, so if I, there's a, the longer answer for that is I took everything that I had been doing for so long, whether it was the hospitality that I learned at Nomotu or the way that we had flexibility in New Zealand or the type of terrain that you can ski in Alaska, and I took all of these pieces together and I said, all right, what can I do in Alaska that's you know, unique to us? And for me, that was keeping our size really small. So we only have eight people a week, meaning two loads in a helicopter. Our location is unique in terms of where we're, where we're located. And that also gives us a fair amount of flexibility with a bunch of different options in terms of terrain, weather, fueling locations, um, mountain ranges. We've got a ton of flexibility with that. And then I'm really lucky in terms of I've been doing it for a long time, so a lot of guys that have come over we've got a really experienced guide staff um on top of my experience and other guys experience but we've got just this solid core of guides that are you know world class so when you put together size location and experience it's like it's creates this deliverable for the guests that come that's second to none in my opinion
0: Yeah, no, I like that. I can relate. You know, that six to eight person sweet spot is kind of where I fell into my surf guiding as well, because you can really deliver that value, as you described earlier, where everyone feels super special, well taken care of. And they just get a shit ton of like, you're giving them runs down a mountain, I'm giving them tons of waves, you know, or get helping them get a ton of waves.
1: Yeah. You, it just, that size allows us to customize it and everything is, is super boutique. If you want to use that word in that nature, but yeah, it allows you to really deliver what you say you're going to do.
0: Absolutely. If you don't mind me asking, like, how does your wife fit into this whole picture? You know, you said you're married you have a child. Do you have more than one child or just one?
1: Uh, we got another one coming in a month. (laughs)
0: Congratulations. So is she in the business? Is she, how does she, yeah. How does it work with her? Um,
1: that so my my wife is integral in everything and my wife is awesome and she's way smarter than me. Um she's super hard working, she's successful in her own right, she has her own another job too. Um and then she helps me a lot. She comes to Alaska and it's actually been a typical transition in figuring out how like now like this for example, winter I'm gone for like two months and we're still kind of figuring that one out, to be honest, especially our son's one and a half. Um, but I, I couldn't do anything that I do without the support of my wife and my family. Like it doesn't like my family's number one for me and I'm a hundred percent focused on them. And I love being a dad and I love being married. And I'm really lucky that, um, my wife is supportive of that and we talk about it all the time. And I mean, it, it was a conscious decision though, too. Like uh, there was, I was married when I was still traveling and doing the, the same schedule that I described earlier. And I was like, this, this is not sustainable. Like the first year that my son was born, uh, I guess, uh, yeah, a year and a half ago. So last winter, like started with Antarctica in the fall, like early fall, and then transitioned into Japan. And then the transitioned into a bunch of other trips in the lower 48. And then it went straight into two months in Alaska. Like I was like, this, I can't, I can't continue to do this. I love it, but I can't continue to do it. And that's me recognizing that it's putting too much strain on. I mean, my wife's at home, like, you know, snow blowing the driveway with the baby and the ergo. And um, there's, there's that challenge to it. But we also both recognize too, like living where we live and, and being, getting to live in Sun Valley and having a great lifestyle here. And, you know, I've all, I, I'm, super excited to raise my son in this environment and raise my son. And if he chooses to, to go skiing and do those sorts of things, it's totally up to him. But like, I'm excited for the lifestyle and the life that he can have. Um, and I think my wife recognizes that she's also like, uh, it was one of those things Like she's, she grew up in San Francisco and um, she, she never lived in the mountains. She lived in San Francisco, Durham, North Carolina, and New York. Before we met, and I was like, uh, "Let's get married," but I'm not moving to back back to San Francisco. And she's like, "Well, I'm not going to move to Tahoe." we it like, "All right, well, where do you want to go?" She's like, "Idaho." So that's how we ended up here, and it's been a great move, and it's been awesome, and she's been super supportive, and I'm really lucky for that. No, being grateful.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful, dude. I'm stoked for you, man. I think a lot of people out there um, can grab a lot of inspiration from your story and just you know how you've accomplished what you've accomplished. You've alluded to, and correct me if I'm wrong, earlier that just in the last few years, you know, Triple Point Expeditions has really taken off. Is that what I understood? I mean, it took a long yeah. like kind of runway to get to where you're at right now, and now it's just this is your bread and butter, and you're going to continue to grow it. Are you going to just kind of kind of do you think you'll create other outfits that can operate without you? Or are you always going to be an integral um, part of every expedition?
1: That's a good question to be, I, I don't have an answer for that one yet. I know like this year, for example, um, I, I kind of, for knowing that the, our baby's coming in May and our Alaska heli ski season is March and April. I kind of had to be prepared to be like, all right, I might have to go home at some point, which I've never done. Um, and so I hired accordingly and I trained the crew accordingly and I kind of had it set up this year to go. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely thinking about that in terms of like growing beyond what we're currently doing. I haven't, I haven't got that far. I really love, I really like what we're doing. Um, I'm really proud of what we've built uh, in the three years that we've been operating on our own. It's, it's a really, really, really cool setup that we have and I'm really proud of that. And so, I guess my focus right now is just to continue to make that better and to continue to get better. Like I never want to get complacent in terms of what we're doing. Um, so it's, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, I want to get, I, I want to continue to make this really good. If we look at other things down the road, I'm not opposed to it. Like I said, I'm always kind of open to new ideas and opening new doors and see where they go. But I'm also conscious of the fact that I can't do everything. Um, as much as I want to, <laughs> um, but I don't, I don't know if that answers your question. But
0: no, that's fine. That's that's a fair answer. Um, if you could take a moment and kind of talk to one listener right now and help them understand like what they're going to get to experience if they come, you know, with you on a triple point expedition, um, would you mind taking a moment just giving us a full like this is what you're going to get when you join me?
1: Yeah. So. If you come on a triple point trip, but I'll just stick to Alaska. Like I said, there's a bunch of other stuff that we do, but right now I'd say 99% of what we do is Alaska. Um, I think if, if, a, if a guest is coming on our trip, they should expect everything to be taken care of from start to finish, whether it's when we pick them up in Anchorage at the airport to when we take them back to the Anchorage, Anchorage airport. Um, we've got a, a beautiful lodge, a, a super dialed in setup, pool table, hot tub, sauna, uh, an amazing chef, all, like great food the whole week, but I think why people come is the skiing and the experience. And you know, we're we're definitely an experience-based company and I think that there's a there's a an adrenaline side or or like an excitement side of helicopter skiing which obviously we we can do and we're taking people out into these amazing mountains. We've got multiple mountain ranges that we ski in. And, uh, you know, quite honestly, the, the best terrain on the planet. I mean, it's the terrain and the snowpack and all that's amazing. And so we're really lucky that we get to take people out into these places. So for that one person, right, like there's nothing like being at this location that we're at like waking up in the morning to sunny skies, jumping in the helicopter, flying out of a lodge. And then within a matter of minutes, landing on top of this remote peak in the middle of nowhere with the most amazing mountains around you. And you get to ski things that you can't ski anywhere else in the world. You're doing it with just you and your buddies. Um, and, And you're building this week around how guests want to do it, right? Like this last week we had guests that came and they were like, we really want to go and, you know, go fly around the glacier. And they went up to the glacier and, you know, they saw a Wolverine and they landed next to the glacier and went ice climbing. Uh, and then they came back and we went skiing for the afternoon. Like we're just building out this amazing experience. And I think that that's like coming to Alaska and, and getting to experience Alaska in the way that we're doing it is, is, I mean, it's just one of those things you can't do anywhere else. Like you got to go skiing in these amazing places. you got to see glaciers. You get to, you know, it's, it's really second to none. And it's, as far from a guest perspective, I just, it's, it's so far from anything that people are remotely used to, especially in the lower 48 or in cities and stuff like that. It's just, you know, you can get out of your comfort zone. You can go and try new things. You can push yourself. You can do you can ski mellow terrain. You can you can really do whatever it is that you want to do. Like it's it's a really really cool experience, and I think that's the key is that it's an experience and it's based around the guest, and we custom tailor every single day and every single moment of that trip.
0: Yeah, it sounds incredible, dude. Ice climbing for the morning session, and then skiing for the afternoon. I mean, <laughs> dude, that's
1: incredible. Yeah, dude. I mean, we'll like we we'll have guys wake up in the morning and they're like early risers, so we'll fire in the morning and they'll jump in the helicopter at first light we'll go ski for the morning we'll come back we'll land at the lodge guys will jump in the hot tub take a quick nap have some lunch and then we'll fire again for the evening session and go back out skiing for the evening like it's it's one of those things that's like I, you sh- I, I get to the end of the season and i'm like i can't believe we just did that that was rad and the clients are so stoked they're just like i can't believe like. Like, you totally undersold us. I was like, I don't know. I'm trying to over-deliver on what I promise I can do. and um, It's pretty cool. It's really, I'm really proud of it. Like I said, I'm, I'm grateful and I'm proud of it.
0: Well, it sure is inspirational, brother. Thank you so much for taking the time and talking to us. And uh look forward to coming on one of your trips soon.
1: Yeah, dude. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Awesome, Tucker. Thank you so much for joining me again. Folks, check out Triple Point Expeditions. If you're interested in heli-skiing, this guy's got an outfit that'll take you into the most rugged terrain in an extremely safe, calculated way that's going to allow you to experience a very, as he calls it, customized, safe, and unique experience that over-delivers in value in ways that you would have never expected. Again, if you're a first-time listener, please hit that subscribe button. If you'd like to support Misfits and Rejects, you can do that via Patreon. You can go to patreon.com backslash misfitsandrejects. You can give a monthly donation. All is appreciated. Nothing is expected. You can also support Misfits and Rejects through my website, misfitsandrejects.com. You can go to misfitsandrejects.com backslash shop. Pick up a t-shirt. And I want you to know, I think you all are so very beautiful. I hope you are well, wherever you find yourself, wherever you're listening to this right now. And I look forward to seeing you in next week's episode. Take care. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Misfits and Rejects. I hope this inspire you to think about your life situation, where you're at, and possibly make a big decision to choose something different for yourself if you're unhappy with where you're at in life. I hope these people that I interview inspire you to go out, spread your wings, and try something new to live a different lifestyle that... Maybe your whole life people were telling me was the wrong one, but when in fact it, it's the perfect one for you. And I'll see you next
1: time.